name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Pretty rough reading, right? I mean, uh, you know, you say gospel of the Lord after that would mean good news. I'm like, where the heck is the good news in that one? Um, and so what I'm going to try to do in this sermon is talk about why this is, could be good news. And, um, and I'm going to focus on the three, wor- three words that Jesus says in what I just read. He's talking about division. He's talking about fire, and he's talking about baptism. And now, how could that all um, um, sort of um, boil up to be a, a word of peace and comfort for us? So I'm going to give it a whirl. Um, but one of the things that I like about Jesus is he is a realist. Um, he doesn't, he's no interest in sugarcoating the human condition, how we actually are. Um, he says things like, you know, out of your heart springs every kind of evil. And, you know, do you have all kinds of unsavory things in your heart? I sure do. He says, like, why do you worry so much? (laughs) Is your life sometimes consumed by fear and worry? I mean, of course it is. He says uh, things like, oh, you have little faith. I mean, is sometimes doubt the overriding um, atmosphere in which you live? Of course it is. I mean, that's just what it is to be human. So Jesus doesn't portray us as people we're not. He gets right down to the root of, um, of, of life. He's, he's unlike Billy Riggins. I've been re-watching Friday Night Lights. And so Billy Riggins is this sort of um, ragtag, sort of been through the ringer fellow, and he decides to take his hand at coaching, and he, it's his first time. He wants to impress the kids, and he pulls out a piece of paper, and he gets the team to take a knee, and he says, this is a quote that inspired me. And he says, if you can believe it, then you can achieve it. And like even Billy doesn't believe that. And so, you know, the team doesn't even know how to respond. Jesus tells us what's true. You hear so much claptrap in the world all over the place. When you come in here, you hear what is true to actual life. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Um, and this is case in point about family division. I mean, it's the gospel that I was given, so this is what I'm going to talk about, family division, and I'm going to go deep uh, about re- naming real things. Nine people left the sermon at the 745. Kidding. Uh, but um, but just, just be aware uh, that you might be wishing you were home reading um, the comics. Okay. Um, no empty platitudes from Jesus. So he, you heard what I said. He said fathers against sons, mothers against daughters, mother-in-laws against daughter-in-laws. Yeah, of course, that one's right. Um, and still awkward silence there. And so I, what I know is this. I've been in ordained ministry almost 30 years. I don't have to tell a single person here about family division. It's very uncomfortably real for us. You know that children move across the country to get away from parents, and um, you know, I mean, half of the, you know the stats, half of marriages almost, you know, break apart. Um, there's a uh, a, um, a, a memoir that's just out. I haven't read it, but the name caught my um, eye by uh, Jenny, Jeanette McCurdy of iCarly fame. 
If you're young enough, you'll remember uh, her from Disney. And um, the title of the book is jarring. I'm glad my mom died is the title of the book. And I thought, wow, that is a thing. Now, um, and it's about, you know, her mom's overbearing presence, and which led in McCarty's, McCurdy's um, feeling to her addiction and her self-image problem and her unhealthy relationships or eating disorders, et cetera. Uh, I'm glad my mom died. Now, here's the thing about this book. Within less than 24 hours, it sold out on Amazon. Now, I don't think it's just because of voyeurism. I think it's just because all of us can relate in a deep kind of way. So we read about somebody else only because um, we're trying to connect it to our own lenses. So we, we relate to it. I mean, this is nothing new. Cain and Abel, sibling rivalry. Uh, it didn't work out too well. Um, one brother, uh, Cain, murdered his brother Abel. This is, this is back to the prehistoric nature of, of human life. So, like I said, I've been in this for 30 years. Every single person, although you look nice, at least most of you do, kidding, um, you look nice, every single person has a fault line of division running through their lives. This is what unites us in need of a savior. So, um, and, you know, most families have a secret that can't be said. And usually that secret is related to abuse or addiction. Not always. Um, sometimes there's one person, like maybe a middle child, whose anger is such that everybody tiptoes around not to, don't mess up, don't, don't get her mad. You know what will happen. Um, and so that creates a kind of dysfunction. And it gets sublimated into humor because this is what we do with things we are uncomfortable with and it's a good mechanism to do. Like that t-shirt slash, t -shirt slash um, coffee mug. Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, you know? You know, we say, yeah, that's kind of funny, but is it funny that we all have to tip around, around mama? Or um, saw this woman <laughs> with a t-shirt the other day that said, I'm raising two children and one husband. And like, it's funny, but like, not that funny. I mean, maybe time for the boy husband to grow up. Put on your big boy pants, son. Anyway, so we, it, all of this stuff that we deal with, um, it, it gets right to the root. And many of you are like hyperventilating right now. I can see that. Um, so it's time for good news. I'm about to walk out of my own sermon right now. So. So I had to hit you with that because it's right there. Because, I, I mean, if you don't talk about real things, this is the real world. Like, sometimes people say, thanks for the sermon, back to the real world. Jesus talks about the real world. And there's hope for the real world. This is why you come to church. And this is what I want to talk about today. So we talked about division. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Um, now let's talk about fire. Sounds bad, but it's not bad. Um, the fire that Jesus comes to kindle on the earth, um, you think of fire often in a negative context, but in Bible terms, fire is positive. Fire is a metaphor for God's presence. Fire is a metaphor for God's power. Fire is a metaphor for God at work. The Holy Spirit lit upon the, 
disciples at Pentecost with tongues of fire empowering them. Fire is a good metaphor, and Jesus has come to kindle that fire. We use it in modern lingo connotation. We say when someone's crushing it, she says, wow, she is on fire. She is on fire. Uh, in the wake of the divisions, I'm going to come back to that and give you some hope here um, that we've been talking about. Think about what um, doctors do to a wound. They cauterize the wound using fire, right, to heal the wound. That's the first thing that they do. So that, so too, what I want to say to you this morning is the fire of the gospel, which is what this is, Jesus is talking about, is there to bind up the wounds of your divisions. It's not a pipe dream. Can't, I can't give you three easy steps, but our hope lies in the God who heals divisions. Think for a second about forest fires. So fire heals, but what does it do? Forest fires burn out the underbrush of old trees and, uh, and uh, underbrush so that the saplings and the new plants can have sunlight, and they can have space to grow. Sometimes God does that in your life. Think about this. Think about the way sometimes when, you're, when, when something is burned away from your life, and you think it's a dumpster fire, and yet out of that um, comes growth that you never could have imagined, but the fire was first. Um, so what I'm, I'm saying here is this, is that although the divisions in your family and in yourself and in this crazy world we live in can feel like this dumpster fire, um, if there is to be healing for any of it, that healing is found in the one who came to kindle the fire of good news. Jesus Christ. Now, um, T.S. Eliot in the Four Quartets says, we are redeemed from fire by fire. And I want to give you a word for this particular new fire that Jesus has kindled um, that heals, it redeems, it induces growth, um, I'm going to give you a word for that. It's one word, and it's a word that you've heard over and over and over and over and over again if you've been coming to Christ Church. But hear it, I hope, in uh, a new light as it applies as a salve to your own wounds and your own hurts this morning. Um, and that word is grace. It's grace. The reason we talk about it over and over and over again is because... Um, that's what Jesus brought. It was new. It burned away the old conditionality of religion. If I can get this together and if I can make myself this way, God will love me and things will go well. No. Jesus speaks to the real person, you and me, who cannot help ourselves. You have an issue that you've been working on and working on and working on. You cannot help yourself. That's where God's office is. That's where God resides. That's where grace resides. Now, what does grace do? It's one-way love from God to you. If 
You might be able to conceive it, a la Big, Billy Riggins, but you cannot achieve it because you are too um, 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 compromised in your inner being to be able to do it. Because we all are. But God has achieved it. You can't achieve it, but God has achieved it in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you two practical ways that grace works and an illustration, and then I'll be finished. And then you can leave. Okay. Um, grace um, is not afraid of... Con grace calls a thing what it is. Grace is not afraid to walk into a situation and speak honestly. Um, because the stakes have been taken away because you're loved no matter what. So grace can not shy away from a, a conflicted situation. And yet, on the other hand, I'm not talking about bringing out the strong arm of the law. What grace does in that situation is complete surrender. Gives it all away. Doesn't stand on any rights. Grace always forgives. Grace doesn't count wrongs, a la 1 Corinthians 13, talking about Jesus there. And what I know to be true is that if there will be healing, and sometimes there won't be until the other side of the Jordan, but if there will be healing, grace is 100% of the time the path toward it. Not law, not getting yourself together, not bringing consequences and responsibilities. It is the grace of God that forgives. 100% of the time. I'm going to give you an example. Back to Friday Night Lights is 2008. So can't really be called a spoiler. Um, back to the Riggins family, Billy and Tim. I mean, they're just awful but lovable brothers. And um, Billy and Tim start a car repair business. Billy's about to have a, his first daughter. Their father abandoned them. So, you know, this is big news for them. And um, our first son, actually. And so but he's strapped for cash and needs more money and then this unsavory character comes to him and says you know what if you strip these cars that i've stolen um and i'll give you this much cash and uh, unbeknownst to tim he does it he says okay let's do that because he just needs the money he does it for several months making a lot of money tim doesn't know anything about it tim is the ex-football star trying to get get his life together and start his life at the very end of this whole escapade of the stolen cars, Tim catches Billy and what he's doing, and Tim reluctantly is brought into this enterprise. Does it one time, and then the cops come, and they arrest him, and they're both in the holding cell, and they both are looking at two to five years in prison, and they didn't have a dad, and Billy's about to have a child. So you cut away, and then cut later and Tim is sad he calls Billy out They're at the house before the, the, the trial and he says this Billy I did it I did it all you had no idea what was happening I stripped the cars I took the money I took the cars to the junkyard you're my brother. You have a family now. 
You need to be father. This is my decision. This is what I want to do. This is what's going to happen. Billy breaks down in tears. You break down in tears watching. Billy go, Jim, uh, Tim goes to prison for Billy. You see the gospel analogy. Jesus is our substitute. He takes what we deserve. He goes to prison, so we are set free. That's grace in practice. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, you can't, although you can never fall from grace, you've probably heard that. What a terrible term, because grace is what you fall into when you fail. You can't fall from grace. The meaning of grace. But you always fall short of grace, because there will be times when you don't forgive, you're going to stand on your rights, you're going to use the power of the law, you'll be afraid of contact, conflict. However, what I'm saying to you is that's okay. It's okay. God forgives. God can heal the division. You don't have to. God is there for you and your failure. That is what grace is all about. Now, I'll say this and I'll close because Grace is not an idea. It's not an empty platitude. Grace is a person. When Jesus says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized, of course he's talking about the historical epicenter of grace. He's talking about his death on the cross. He's talking about his death for your sake, the sake of the world. He's talking about receiving into the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side, all the divisions of the world from that place of pain on the cross upon which he pronounced the ultimate word of grace. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But Jesus did it. It was his decision, and he did it all. Amen.